0: Oh, Good to see you guys. Hey, can I, uh, let me pray quick as as we get into it and then we'll jump into that text. Father, God, I am uh, dependent on you this morning. God, we have nothing to bring. Uh, I have nothing to offer this morning but your word Uh, and so we beg for your spirit to use it. God, uh, I'm grateful for what you've done in our church over the last uh, couple days with the women and I pray now that we would be united around your word. Would you do all of this through your Spirit to just well up in us, worship and love? We pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Hey, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking uh, with someone in our church, a girl, about uh, preaching, and I was specifically talking about uh, what it's like to preach some difficult texts in the Bible. So you know, like you sometimes you come to different passages in the Bible. And they're just a little bit harder to talk about or to read or to hear maybe than others. And and somehow we got on this topic and she had asked me, she said, man, how hard is it to actually get up and preach and say things that are like... Really hard to hear, you know? And so for, for instance, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had preached on Ephesians chapter two, and just the first couple of verses where basically the whole message was, you're dead, uh, you are deceived, and you deserve wrath. Like that was literally my sermon, basically, that I gave. And as so we were talking about that, and I said, you know what, honestly, uh, as weird as this sounds, for me personally, I don't know if this is all pastors, but for me personally, when I get up on stage, I can get up here, and I can say that, and I, don't, I have basically no issue saying that. I mean, I can just kind of say, look, this is what the Bible says, you're dead, and you follow the devil, like, I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says, and so that's just true, right? Okay, I have no problem saying that. But I told her, here's one of the most difficult things as a preacher, uh, is that usually, what I've found is that whatever I'm preaching on Sunday, God sees fit to kind of put me through that week. You know, like whatever it is that we're talking about, usually God does something in my life, something in my relationships with people that just like I go through what we're talking about. And I think in some sense, God is so kind that he doesn't allow a preacher or a proclaimer of his word to do this just intellectually. Like this isn't just me giving information almost every single week. This is a person who has wrestled with whatever we're talking about for a week or two. And now proclaiming it. And so, with that said, I, I want to start with just a, a simple confession. Um, this last week was terrible. Like, this was literally one of the worst weeks that I have had in months. It was just like literally on every level of my life. I felt like God was just putting me through everything. Like, the, I just felt weak. I felt afraid at times. I felt ashamed at times. I felt guilty. I felt uh, just inadequate. I felt unimportant at times. It just, that was the week, and that's kind of how I'm coming in here. I don't know if you ever felt those things where you just have those weeks where it just is hard. You just go through your week, and it just feels like thing after thing has happened. You just feel beaten down and beaten down a little bit more. You feel a little bit more insecure, a little bit more overwhelmed. Now, I'm gonna say this. Don't freak out, because this isn't gonna happen, but I literally at one point this week was like, I'm just going to quit my job. Like, I'm not a good pastor. I can't do this anymore. I just need to leave. Like, I just, I need to run away from some of these problems. That's, just feeling weak. Now, I know that that can happen to us individually, um, but God did something weird in my life this week where even us as a church, I think sometimes, you know, individually we can feel that, but even as a corporate body, we can drift into these seasons uh, where in our sin and kind of in our flesh, it can just seem like... Man, who are we, right? Like, I I thought these last couple weeks, and this is sin, but I just thought, man, who are we? We're a church of 250 in a city of a million. Like, how are we going to make a difference, right? Or like Jared said, like, we're not doing phenomenally financially. How are we going to actually make a difference? There's churches of thousands of people in our city. How are we going to do anything? And you just kind of spiral into these insecurities and into this weakness, You know, one of the things that I've loved about going through Ephesians is that Ephesians reminds us that we have a propensity to forget who we are. You know, I don't know if you've noticed the first three chapters that we've been looking at that we're finishing next week, three chapters Paul spends to basically remind you who you are. This isn't new information to the church. This is just him saying, Christians, you're going to forget who you are. Like, you're going to forget what God has done for you. He's saying, church, remember the fact that God has chosen to save you before the foundation of the world. Like, remember that when Christ hung on the cross, he did that for you. Remember that the Spirit is dwelling inside of you. Remember that he's going to exalt you above the heavens one day. Remember that what he's doing in the church is what the angels and the rulers in the heavens are looking on and saying, God is so good because I see them. You know, I think Paul knows that we're always going to have the propensity to feel weak. We're going to have the propensity to forget. And so this morning we're kind of wrapping up this first half of Ephesians, which Jared will do next week. And then basically chapters four, five, and six are all now because you know your identity, because you're strengthened in who God has made you, now let's go and let's do things. Right? And so that's going to be all coming, but one more time Paul is going to say, hey, I want to pray that you would be strengthened. I think Paul knows that we have a propensity to forget. He knows that we're going to feel weak. He knows that there's going to be weeks, like maybe some of you have had, like I've had, where you just feel inadequate, unimportant, and weak. And he is going to pray for strength. And so if you've got a Bible, let's go uh, to Ephesians. We'll start in uh, chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, And here's kind of what the, the outline, I think, of this prayer is. This is what Paul is going to uh, say to us. He's going to say, if you feel weak, if you feel unimportant, whether it's individually or as a church, he's going to say, hey, we can be strengthened in prayer, in power, and for a purpose. All right? That's kind of the outline, I think, of his prayers, that we can be strengthened. There's, if you feel weak this morning, there is an opportunity to be strengthened in prayer, in power, and for a purpose. So let's look first at how we can be strengthened. In prayer, Look at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. Paul says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay, so let me keep going a little bit with this. I want you to think about maybe the last time or recently or this week when you just felt weak. You just felt overwhelmed, exhausted, insecure. I want you to think about when that's happened to you, where do you immediately turn? Like like what in your, kind of your soul inside of you, what is your immediate response to that feeling? So I think there's a a handful that we can go to. I think for some of us, uh, it might just be simple like avoidance right? Like you've mastered the art of saying, when I feel weak, when I feel insecure, I'm just going to shove those feelings good and deep, and we're going to keep those down there, and they're not going to come back up, and we're not even going to think about how I see my insecurities and weaknesses. Or, or maybe others will go to some simple that. Your first step is, okay, I'm going to go to a, a self-help book. I'm going to go to some simple steps for a, a new lifestyle. And, and once I just change some of these things, then that internal feeling of weakness will begin to change. Uh, maybe one more. Maybe others of you, uh, you kind of have the idea that, hey, if maybe, maybe subconsciously, maybe if I just tell a lot of people I feel weak, maybe if I just share it with the world, then they will start to tell me, no, 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 it's, it's not really that bad. You're not that bad. Hey, you're actually, you're great. Like, and so through that, they kind of stroke your ego enough to where you feel like, okay, I'm not that weak. Like, I really am okay. You know, we all have different ways that we turn when we feel this. But my guess is that those type of turns, those type of things, they maybe, maybe help in the moment. They might help for a few weeks, but I guarantee you in a few weeks and a few months, you're feeling the same exact thing. Somebody can only stroke your ego enough before you have to have them do it again. You can only avoid it so much before you blow up again. You can only do self-help tricks so much until you realize there's another problem and and you try to do that for there and then there's another problem. Well, I think Paul in this passage, he models a little better way. He models what what is maybe a a better long-lasting answer to our weakness, to our insecurities. I think Paul is going to tell us here, if you want to be strengthened, don't simply try to look within. Don't try to just push things aside. He says, don't look in, but actually I want you to look up. That's what Ephesians 1 through 3 has been. If you feel small, don't try to look within and see how great you are. He simply says, hey, just lift your head. Like lift your eyes and look up. And that's what we see in these verses. Look again at verse 14. He, he says that he comes and he says he bows his knee before the Father, whom every family on earth is named. Now, when we think of prayer, I think we think something similar, right? If I were to tell you, hey, let's pray, I think most of you have a similar posture of maybe folding your hands, bowing your head. Uh, maybe uh, when you're feeling real spiritual in a living room, you might kneel down or kneel at your bed or something. But that kind of makes sense to us right we usually start our prayers of father right but again if we look at the original audience in this context um, this is actually this is pointing something out to us you see first of all for the the Jewish religion when they would pray they didn't come bowing their knees actually what they would do is they would stand and a lot of times they would they would raise their arms so this in the Jewish religion this is the posture of prayer they would stand and raise their arms now, they did that all the time, so just for you guys, when, when we have somebody praying up here and we say, hey, would you extend an arm, and you kind of subtly try to switch arms because it like, hurts your shoulders, just know that in the Jewish religion, that would be you all the time. You're always praying like this, but Paul says, hey, I'm not doing this. This is a sign of, of reverence to a deity, right? This is reverence to God, and while that's good, he's giving us another image See, bowing before somebody invokes the image of a a citizen or a servant coming into the palace of a king and bowing with respect, bowing with humility. Think of a a servant in a kingdom who would walk into the palace of the king. You have to immediately, you go down and you bow. This is a sign of authority, of respect. And then he goes on to say that when he bows, he, he calls this king, father, on whom every family on earth is named. Now again, for us, when we think Father, or when we think I'm going to pray to my Father, oftentimes I think we get the image of uh, kind of crawling into Dad's lap and sitting there and saying, oh Daddy, you know, it's kind of this intimate thing. And while that's true, God is intimate and He loves us, again, that's not the image that they would have gotten. You see, for them, Father was not this kind of sweet, intimate, heartfelt thing. It was It was an authority figure. The father got to name things. And when you name things, you have authority over those things. What Paul's saying here is, I'm bowing before the king who has authority over every family, over every corner of our globe. I am now in the presence of the king who is enthroned in the heavens. That's the image that Paul is giving us. And I think he gives us that because when we feel weak. When we feel insecure, when we feel like we're wandering and lost, Paul wants you to have that image in your mind. Like when you feel exhausted and weak, he says, I want you to know who you have on your side. Like when I'm coming to pray for the church to be strengthened, I want you to know I'm asking the king and the father who's enthroned in the heavens, who every person on this earth has been named and who has authority over them. There is no other person, people, power, or presence that has more authority than the one I am speaking to. And it's that powerful God that listens to the prayers of the weak. It's that God who wants those who feel weak and broken and humbled to come to him. That is the father and the king that Paul's approaching. Now, in his prayer for strength, he gives some grounds to his prayer. He gives some reason to it. Look at the next part of verse uh, 16, the first part. He comes before the father and he says that according to the riches of Of his glory. So he comes before the king, and here he says, Hey, because of the riches of your glory, because you have abundant riches, because you have overwhelming glory. That's the reason that he's about to pray, that's the, the means to which he prays maybe think about it like this um throughout my seven or so years in ministry uh for a lot of the time I've had to raise support financial support for a lot of uh different things so I started by having to raise all my salary then I started by uh ra- raising money for mission trips or for uh education or for church planting uh and here's one of the things that I've found with with support raising in the church um I realize there there are certain people uh, that God has just gifted with the ability to make money and have money, and He gifts them with this sense of generosity, right? So Jared just said, "Hey, we should all be generous at whatever means possible." That's just that's how we support the local church. But with these side projects, I found that really it's helpful to have people that God is gifted with money that they can help support these kind of extra projects, whether they're mission trips or church planting or education. And so God has specifically uh, allowed certain people to make money. And, and because of that, it's helpful when you're doing these things to, to approach people that have uh, means to do that, right? people with means to, to give towards these projects. But here's the other thing I found, that a lot of people have different motivations for what we enjoy uh, fanning into flame, what we enjoy giving to, what we enjoy empowering. And so when I went to Thailand, uh, I raised support through a guy who adopted a child from Thailand and just had a burden on his heart to get people to Thailand because the way that God had ordained his life, he loved to be generous. He had motivation to give to the trip. But now that I'm raising support for seminary education, I've, I've asked certain people who just love pastoral training and they want to see pastors built up and Equipped. You see, for these things to go forward, uh, you need both means and motivation. Well, I think Paul here is saying, look, God has both means and motivation to work in your life. Like, if you feel weak, he's saying we can approach him because he's the king over everything. There is nothing out of his control. There's nothing outside of his authority. And all he said the last three chapters is he loves you he wants to work in you he wants you to come forward he has utter means and he has complete motivation to work for those who are weak so providence i i as i was reading through this week i mean this these verses were just over and over and over again in my head and i was just thinking well, what if we were a church That when we felt that, when our spouse felt that, when our city group felt that, when other people here on Sunday mornings just say, man, it's been a tough week, what if our immediate response was, hey, let's go before the king. Like, let's just ask the father that because his glory is tied to us, because his passion is for us, let's say, because of that, would you work in our lives? Because of that, would you work? That's the first step to being strengthened, as Paul says, hey, let's just go in prayer, but now he's going to make his request. So he's before the Father. He asks because of your uh, abundant riches of glory, now he's going to talk about how we can actually be strengthened in power. Look at the next couple verses, starting in verse uh, 16. He says, That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, have you ever, maybe maybe this week this happened to you or recently, have you ever confessed where you're just struggling with something, you felt weak, and, and you've talked to somebody, and really well-meaning people, like you ask somebody for advice, you just say, man, this has been a brutal week, and really well-meaning people uh, give you just really bad responses? Like, have you ever had that interaction? Like, you say, man, hey, this week has been really hard at work. Like, it has just been a grind. It has just been bad. And they just say, like, keep on trucking, you know? I don't know. It's like... Yeah, that's not helpful, okay, in that moment. there's People, we, we want to be helpful, but the problem is a lot of times our advice or the things that we say just don't have much power, right? Like you, you get these responses or you feel like, yeah, I know that's probably true, but there's no power in that. I don't feel like that's actually going to change anything or strengthen anything. When Paul prays for the church here, he wants you to be strengthened with real, life-changing lasting power. He's not giving you just a little Christian cliche. He's not giving you just some worldly advice. He's not giving you just a pat on the back. He's giving us something more. He says, God, because you have the means and motivation to work, would you strengthen your church in power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in in our hearts, That idea of the, the inner being and the heart is kind of the same idea. What he's saying there is that, that this power that we have, when we feel weak or insecure, when we believe uh, that if we just change certain habits or we just change certain circumstances or we just change how we view ourselves, things would be different. Paul's saying, no, you need something to change in your inner being, in, in your soul, like deep into the fabric of who you are. You don't just need some circumstances to change. You need something different inside of you. And he's going to say that true, lasting strength doesn't come from the external, but it comes from power. And that power comes in presence. And I think we, we know this, right? Like, uh, again, think back to one of these times. Just the fact of having somebody present can really change our state, can it? Like if you think about a a trial that you've gone through, if your spouse just kind of sits with you, or maybe somebody just kind of holds your hand, or they just give you a hug, or they just sit in your living room and cry with you, there's something about presence that offers uh, some strength. A lot of times we feel most weak is when we feel most alone, when we feel like there's nobody else offering their presence. And Paul wants to remind you, for the weak you can have the actual presence of god now how does this happen he says that christ would dwell in our hearts the spirit of christ in our inner being through faith i love that he says that because what he's getting at is if you want to be strengthened it doesn't come from just within You don't need self-help. You don't need just a few tips to make you feel better. You don't need somebody to just stroke your ego. He said, you need to believe that that is who you are naturally. Like, you need to know that you are weak. You need to know that in yourself you are a sinner. You need to know that in yourself you don't have what it takes. And when you get to that place, you can finally place your faith in the one who did it for you. He said it's in that moment when you feel weakest that God loves to break in and show you that Christ has done it for you. The presence of God is not for those who are good enough, who are clean enough, who have worked enough. The presence of God is for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. That when Christ died on the cross, he was separated so that you could come in. I love the the line of the first song we sang today. It said, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I love that song gets at the fact that in ourselves, we don't deserve the presence of God. In our sin, we shouldn't be welcomed into the highest king. But if your faith is in Jesus, that is not true of you anymore. That if your faith is in Jesus, who am I that the highest king should welcome me? I'm a child of God. Like when, Christ sees, or when God sees me, he sees Christ. When he looks at me and says, should I let him into my presence? He said, I see Christ. He has been redeemed. She has been made new. My spirit is now in her and therefore the highest king welcomes you in. And more than that, he says, when your faith is in Christ, your ability to be strengthened then doesn't come from you just mustering up the strength of Christ. I love that he reiterates it's not you again because he doesn't teach you something. He prays for you. He said, I want to pray that God would give you the strength. He has given you his presence, and now to enjoy that presence, he needs to do it again. This is an incredibly freeing thing for those who feel weak because he's not saying just muster up a little more strength. He's saying, let's just pray that God would give it to us. Let's pray that we would have strength in our inner being." If you feel weak this morning, if we as a church sometimes feel unimportant or inadequate, I think Paul's prayer here is, hey, would God give you the strength through the spirit inside of us, through Christ inside of us, through faith? Would he be the one that strengthens us? Now, I think we could end right there. I mean, that's good news. Christ has strengthened us. He's inside of us. He's dwelling with us but he goes one step further. God doesn't do this simply to make us feel better about ourselves. He gives us a purpose. This is our final point as we get to these last few verses. We can be strengthened in prayer and with the power of God's presence, but it's for a purpose. So before we get to the text, I want you just to think about what that might be. Right, think of everything I've just said so far. The, the, the king above all other kings. He's reigning in the heavens. That king is intimately woven into your life. He wants you in his presence. He's giving you the spirit of God. What do you think the purpose of that might be? You have the power of the king of kings on your side. So go conquer, right? Like go do all these missions and take ground, live passionately, sacrifice everything. The king is on your side. Maybe you got power, so now get to work. Like, you got power inside of you, so go hard and do things this week. Or maybe, hey, you've got power, so start movement, start multiplying, start uh, doing all these church planting things. Like, go, church, and do all these things. Now, I think a lot of that stuff you can get from the Bible, but that's not where Paul goes. You have been strengthened through prayer with the presence of God For what purpose? Let's finish the passage. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You've got the power of the king on your side. You've got the presence of God Almighty in you. Like in a mystical way, God is in you and he has done all that so you can love. Like think about that. So you can be rooted and grounded in love. And I love how he says this. He wants you rooted and grounded in love so that you can be strong enough to comprehend the love of Christ. Like He's saying, look, I want you to be rooted in love. I want the Father to strengthen you inside of you so that you can begin to know the love of Christ that he has for you. I want you strong, Paul says, so that you can begin to comprehend the love of Christ that can't even be known. It's so vast. It's so dimensional. It's so Big that you can't even know it. And so what I want is for you to have the strength to begin to know this love, to, to experience this love, not just that you would know facts about it and try to figure out the concepts, but that you would experience the love of Christ. And I think he goes here because the only way to transform from feeling weak and broken to truly feeling strengthened, like not just a quick fix, flash in the pan, but to truly be motivated to change and to actually be strengthened is through the love of Christ. I've mentioned this show before, and there's an episode of Parks and Rec where there's, I know, where there's, there's two characters, and in this episode, they're debating what is the best means of motivation. That's kind of the whole show they're debating this, and so uh, they decide that they will do a little experiment on one of the employees, uh, Jerry, or Gary, or Larry, or Terry. Um, if you don't watch the show, you don't get that. I'm going to call him Jerry uh, for this, okay? So they decide, hey, here we go. Chris, one of the, one of the uh, uh, characters, he says, okay, I am going to motivate him through positive reinforcement. I'm gonna make him feel so good about himself that he's just gonna get all this work done. And so he goes up to Jerry and he says, Jerry, you are awesome. You are the perfect guy for this job. I wouldn't want anyone else to do it. There is something in you that you can do this job better than anyone else. And Jerry's just beaming. He's just like, this is amazing. And so he gives him the job. Another character, Ron, comes in a little bit later and he says that people are most motivated by fear. So he comes in and he freaks out on Jerry. And he's just like, Jerry, you're going to get fired if you don't do this. Like, I need you to do this right now. He's a scary dude, mustache. He's just like, you got to do this. Ron told him. Jerry gets so scared. He drops everything that Chris told him to do. And he starts working on what Ron told him to do. Well, which worked better? See, at the end of the episode, you find out that with the positive reinforcement, Jerry got, got some stuff done. But he got so excited about himself uh, that he could hardly even work. Like, he couldn't even really focus. And to be honest, he actually wasn't very good. So the things that he did get done weren't done very well because everything that Chris said about him was actually not that true. On the flip side, he was so scared that he got a ton of stuff done uh, when he had the fear motivation, but basically everything was done wrong. Like, he, just, he couldn't do anything with a clear head because he was so afraid. Now, fear produced a greater level of productivity, but much of it was done wrong, and much of of it was done out of a broken relationship. So let's think about our relationship with God for a second. When we want to grow in strength, when we want to, to not feel weak, but we want to be strengthened and changed, not just for a moment, but for the rest of our lives, our motivation cannot be God just saying, hey, you got it. You're really awesome. Like, I'm working through you because you are amazing. Because here's the reality, we're not. And you're going to fail really soon and realize, wait, is God lying about me? Like, I thought he said I was awesome. You know, it's easy for us when we feel that way to want the preacher to stand up here and say, hey, you got it. God wants to work in you. He thinks you're amazing. Look, in yourself, that's simply not true. I could give you a ton of positive reinforcement that way and you will go and you will fail and you will feel weak again and it will be even more discouraging. However, the other side is sometimes we come to our relationship with God and we think, man, God wants me to be strong so that I can do a lot of stuff for him. And he's just kind of looking at me, watching, making sure I'm not messing up, making sure I'm not screwing up, making sure I'm growing enough in my discipleship and what that produces is a people that are afraid. Of uh, people that don't view God as this good heavenly father, but view him as a dictator who's just commanding you to just be better now. And what that produces is some sort of legalism, some sort of burnout. And many people, I think, have left the church because that's their view of God. And I love that in our passage, Paul again offers a whole new solution. He says, you want to be strengthened? God, I want you to strengthen the church so that they can be strengthened forever, motivated by love. Because if they would know how much you love them, that will cause actual change. And we know this because we see it with children, right? Children that grow up in a healthy way, or children that know they are loved, that know their parents want the best for them, that are there for them, and that are guiding them to truth. We see children that don't know that grow weak, or insecure, or they... Struggle. We just we know that that we are best grown in a healthy way through love. So this week, as I was struggling uh, through a, a bunch of various things, honestly, I didn't need somebody coming up to me and said, "Hey, you're not that bad. Like you're really okay. Like you're doing good job." Because in a lot of things, I wasn't. Like it just wasn't true. I needed to know that I am not good enough in. Myself, And I also didn't need to view God just like dropping the hammer on me and feeling like, man, you screwed up too many times. You're done this time. You didn't do this. You're still doing the things you did a year ago. I needed to sit in these verses and to know the presence of God is inside of me so that I can know how much my God loves me. Because it's when I feel loved and cared for that I can take hard things and I can take easy things. I can take the highs and the lows because I know Christ is working in And through me. And so this morning, when we view Christ, would you know that when you're in those places, He knows your struggles? Like He came to earth and He felt pain like you feel pain, He suffered like you suffered. He knows how you are worried, He knows how you feel weak, and His promise is to be with you. He has indwelled you. There's no greater presence than He could give you than Himself inside of you. So I wanna end like this. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week and I was thinking about how, uh, how to kind of apply this in and uh, I was kind of teasing some things out and then all of a sudden I had like a light bulb moment and I was like, you dummy, Paul just simply prayed. <laughs> Why would I do anything else than simply pray that God would do this in our church? And so uh, here's what I wanna do. Um, I would invite you, I'm not gonna put these verses on the screen, um, but I'm gonna read a little passage out of Romans 8 That basically is a reminder of Christ's love for you. And I want you to believe that this is true. If your faith is in Jesus, this is true of you. And then I'm going to just follow Paul's lead. And I'm going to pray for us. That we would be strengthened. And that we would know the love of God. And that we would feel how he fills us with the fullness of himself. So if you want to close your eyes uh, and just sit. Would you just listen uh, as I read a few verses out of Romans chapter 8. This is what God says about us as a church. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? our Lord. Father God, we come before you, seated in the heavens, enthroned above all things, the one with authority and power. And God, we ask that you would strengthen us I ask specifically for those in the room today that feel weak, feel broken, feel lost. God, would your spirit right now strengthen them? Would we as a church who maybe can feel unimportant or inadequate or less than, would you strengthen us? Would you yourself, that our faith in you is the rock that keeps us close, that you've given us yourself inside of us, that you say that you will fill us with yourself, that the fullness of God through Jesus Christ is now in us, God. You dwell in the church. We have power. We have strength. God, I pray that we would experience that this week, that we would know the love that is unknowable. That we would experience the love that can't even be fully grasped. And when we do all this so we could be filled with you?